Oh, and I'm in Stitching Podcast here with Sean McCoom. How are we doing today? All good, yes, all good yourself. Yeah, not too bad. It's Sean McCoom, Sean McCoom. 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 Obviously, the interview in Glasgow, we've sort of just touched on uh, you've been there since May now. How are you sort of finding the country and everything? Like that? I've found my feet well. Uh, I came in May. Um, the weather was obviously a bit better, so it was, it was easier. <laughs> to, it was nice and sunny. It was easier to go for training, but uh, I know the lads. Like I've, I've known Danny for a bit through Paddy and Tyrone, and uh, obviously I trained with Paddy on the Irish team for five, six years. Yeah. So I was close with him, stayed in the room and stuff together for years. So I came, when I joined the team, like and came to Glasgow, just fell right in, like right on the feet, like and yeah, okay. just hit the ground on and had a knock back from it. Guess it massive help. So obviously staying in the same rooms now and like uh, having nice people around you. That's it. It's just it's like a what we're used to in the Irish team was like a high performance unit. You stay together, you train together. This is what it's like now. A lot of people say professional boxing is a, a lonely sport. Before you like before I was turned professional, a lot of people were making me aware that it's a a lonely sport and be aware that it can be very lonely at times and stuff. But not here, it's not because this is the same, this is the same setup, same same idea really. Um we stay in a room together, we train together and we eat together and that's it. Yeah. So it's the same same ideas what we've done in the amateurs. Yeah, I guess some people say it's like me because uh, <coughs> I think quite a lot of people can't sort of train in the same place where they, they live all their family and stuff yeah. for, for different reasons I guess. But of course mo- most people yeah. move away from home uh, to train, which is a hard obviously but yeah. So it's a big sacrifice for a lot of people, especially with young kids and stuff. I'm lucky enough, I have no kids. Like, yeah. But uh, for the likes of Paddy and Throne, they've, they've two young kids each, and it must be hard from being away from home. So we just try and bypass time, a bit of crack, have a laugh as well, enjoy it while we're here. Yeah. Instead of being miserable, always down, being about the house, we're always just trying to lift each other up and get on with it. Did you had a poker game last night? How'd you get on with that? <sighs> Throne cleaned up. Throne and Sam. Sam's afraid of one. He he just got to lose money, so he he was keeping every chip for himself. I think he had a couple of chips square in his pack as well. I, I've heard there maybe one or two uh, underhand uh, yeah, cheer, yeah. cheer going on. You have there. to add some, so you, do, you have to, have to keep a shot down. Damn it's red. No mates, no mates in this game. No mates, so special money to how did you get into boxing sort of originally? Just uh, through my family really. Um, there's a, an amateur boxing club, an amateur boxing gym in my uh, area. It's about a minute walk from my house here. And uh, two, my two older brothers boxed. My dad done a bit of boxing. My uncle's done boxing. Just came through the family really. And I had no excuse not to go with the boxing club being 200, 200 yards away from house, yeah. like 300 yards away. And just two brothers were successful Irish champions, and I just followed in their footsteps, hoping to get an Irish title myself. And, and that did, it just gave me the hunger to push on for more. Yeah. Um, you when you, did your dad ever box at all, or was he just. He boxed, but he wasn't really. He wasn't. He wasn't that good. He was shit. <laughs> You're like, I haven't got to wear this stuff. His nose, you can tell by his nose anyway. He's a, he's a, he's a flat nose, so. He must have got out early. He must have got out early, because he was getting too, too much punishment. Um, in Antrim, like, uh, where you grew up, right? Um, yeah, Belfast, Justin. Just, uh, um, was that sort of around that area? Was that was boxing and football, I guess, were the main sort of. Oh, well. Boxing was massive. I would say when I was younger, in my area, every single one of my mates done boxing. Like every one of them, there was crowds of people queuing up to get in when the, when the shutters went up. Everyone was rushing in under the door to get the best gloves and stuff. So the place was packed when I was a kid. I think I was the only one that stuck it out. Football, a lot of people play football as well. When I was younger, we all done a ring to keep it just anything for a bit of crack. They played GAA sports as well, Gordon. There's a local club called Gordon Muna, which uh, do GAA, they do Gaelic and Hurling, yeah. which a lot of us play, play and uh, boxing and football, the theme and sports play. Like, and uh, I played them all, just 
It's just better boxing than it was the rest. I can say, did you, you obviously sound pretty sporty, just to, just enjoy the whole sports basically. Just enjoy it, I just kept me out of trouble, like, so I was, I was a sporty kid growing up and I enjoyed it. Um, football, play, I still played football right up until last year and uh, obviously turned professional, I had to stop. But I still enjoyed playing football right up until now, like, but it's one of the things I'm
no rest. No yeah, regrets. Just <laughs> yeah. go the down the drink and drink the first line. I did a bit extra. <laughs> a pass it, okay, pass. <laughs> so it was all good. Get it right. Um, when you, when was the first like big tournament you remember, sort of, sort of international tournament? I went till, I remember I was sixteen and I won the under eighteen championships, Irish championships, in uh, Dublin, and they were picking seven fighters to go to the Europeans. Um, I was given away two years, so my coach didn't want me to go, but. I was adamant that I was going, I was telling him there was no, there was no ifs or buts, it was I'm gone and that's it, if you don't let me go I'm changing club sort of thing, which I probably wouldn't have done anyway, like, but it was just, that was my attitude, yeah. um, and he was going, you've next year you can add the under 18s again next year and go to the World Championships, I'm going to want the next year as well and this year, but I'm, I'm going, yeah. so the Irish team had a round robin tournament, which was three, four countries in Dublin, and you had a fight every day, win or lose, you still fought. And uh, that's how they decide on who they were going to pick, who, who they would pick. So whoever per- performed well and, and got the wins on the round robin tournament would be selected to go to Europeans. Because there's only seven spaces out of yeah. 12 or something at the time, I think it was. And uh, there was only, I think there was only two of us who won all three fights. It was me and Jason Quigley, who went on to win a European gold in. Yeah. And then they picked me. And obviously another six fighters after me, but my coach was like, didn't really want me to go. And I went and got to the quarterfinal to the Europeans, which was a bad achievement like, right. for so someone who was 16, getting two years away. Like. Yeah. So that was my first major international tournament and my first year on the international team. Really, yeah. Where was that? It was in Szczecin in Poland. And I lost to Poland in the quarterfinals at that point. So I've done well, I got a lot of experience from it. And Again, that took me on to another level, to push on towards yeah. elite, and I was, was happy enough to do that. Like. Yeah. Um, how was that like? How was going to Poland and competing and stuff? Because it's not. That was my first. That's like I'm saying. It was my first international. Obviously, you're seeing all these different countries, and you don't know what's what and what stage. Like a lot of people, like Jason, one of the guys who won gold, and another fella, David Joe Joyce. He was. He was a he had lots of international experience, so they knew which countries were were top countries like Azerbaijan and stuff. I had no clue who they were. I couldn't even They were playing a big country, class country, and a class nation for boxing and Ukraine. All these countries that I didn't really respect. I was like, who are they? I didn't even know who they were. And they sort of knew that these countries were the best countries, so they were. They knew who they wanted in the draw, where I didn't care. You know what I mean? I was just like, sure, I gotta get that. I didn't know much about anything. But for that, to do that in my first tournament, I won two fights, beat Hungary and Turkey, and uh, lost to Poland, like I say. But to do that in my first tournament, it gave me an eye of which countries are good. Then I was able to sit down and assess all the other countries, watch what they were doing, what sort of what style they had, and, and then take that back to my own gym and tell my coach, and obviously, work on a few things myself. Yeah. And, Again, brought me on to a different level and pushed on from her, and uh, it was a brilliant experience for me. Yeah. Did it help having sort of brothers that with boxes as well? That sort of ran up? Uh, two brothers, one, one stopped boxing when he was about 16, 15, 16. He started bricklaying, getting a few quills. Like I say, he won, he won the, he was the first one, Liam, his name, he won the Irish title when he was 11. He was the first one in the house to do so and he had the attitude like don't, don't really need to train anymore when there's titles and oh, it was all see you see you when there's titles as a as a kid at that age like you have to be a really special talent like you need to be like it's boxing Ireland's massive yeah and Belfast alone Belfast is a small place like there's like 36 clubs or 40 clubs maybe in Belfast which is you can get around a whole of Belfast in 10 months like one week or one end of Belfast, the other in 15 months. No. So it's that small, or 40 clubs, say. So it's really, really massive to win there's tight at such a young age. Um, it's, a, it's a special talent. And uh, my brother done that, and after that, he just stopped training. just thought he was good enough to do it, and lost out the following year. And then he just lost again in the final, the following year after that. And he just started, you see him just drifting away from Sora. And the other brother, who was older, started winning every year after it. 
he lost his first year and won him every year after that and then he took off and won, he won, I think he won five or six size titles and the other brother only won one he just left stop back to me 15, 16 yeah. got a job so I went around it was good the, the both brothers went two separate ways one kept boxing and ran on to sort of elite level and the other brother just drifted away so it sort of gave me a path of where I want to go yeah. like watching the two of them growing up do I want to go and work or do I want to go and box yeah. I sort of went with the one who went the box yeah. it seemed easier like hanging <laughs> out and starting freezing cold brick now yeah. you know what I mean as well is it good did you find that that you maybe didn't get the success straight away because from what you're sort of saying that some some kids are like oh I've done this and that it was good. Really I think it was good in a way. It kept me hungry, you know what I mean? Yeah. It gave me something to push for. They used to wind me up in the house, the both of them used to say, You can't even nice tail, you can't win nice tail, you can't win nice tail. <laughs> I used to say I will, but I will, I will, I will. It used to annoy me so bad. Like, I was like, Fuck, I hate them. Like, I hate the two of them. Because like, they had something that I always wanted, was nice tail, but that was, they they were slagging me, going, you, know, you can't win nice tail. But I knew I was cool. It's just up to me to do it and actually train for it and when I done I done that yeah. then the other brother like sure it's only one hour's tail what's that mean it's only one hour's tail so that's easy had to do it again and, again. <laughs> and then now I've took off and done more than any of the two I've ever done like. yeah. so good driving back in the day it's good, it's good, it's good to have brothers going up yeah. for, that, for that for that reason like. Yeah, I think I was the same with my brother, like, sort of uh, spur each other on and want each other up, uh, mainly, probably. It's can't be bad, it's good, it's good in a way, it's good. Yeah. Maybe not at the time, because we want to kill each uh, other, like, but now, looking back, it was definitely worth it. Like. Yeah. Um, what was the sort of, when you were sort of aiming for Commonwealth Olympics and things, what was the sort of first one that you sort of aimed to, to qualify for? Olympics was all my dream, didn't care about Commonwealth Games, to be honest with Didn't, there it is. Looking at back at them, I don't think they It's not even nice team that goes away, I'm like, no, I mean, yeah. it's like an Ulster team. It's in the north of Ireland. It's, it's easy, and you don't have to win a nice and tight to be on that team either. Yeah. So that wasn't really something I really cared about, to be honest. Um, Aye, so when you see people talk about, obviously, Commonwealth's limited in the amount of countries, yeah. Yeah, it is always going to play second fiddle to, to the Olympics. And, uh, uh, big time. Like, the Olympics is the biggest. Like, Anyone who, every most people say, I'm not sure about Ireland, but I'd say most other countries would dream of being a world champion, or Irish boxers or dream of being a world champion. For, I don't know why it's the amateur boxing is such a big sport in Ireland, but it's just what people want is to be a world champion. Yeah. It's so unique. Like GB would have near enough. In a real, every four years, at least one maybe, yeah. in boxing, where Ireland are just pushing and pushing for a little bit of time. We had a little bit of Kitty Taylor won a little gold, obviously, and um, Michael Cruth in 1982. So from that, everyone's just chasing. There's two little champions in history, Irish history, boxing. Everyone else now is just chasing that success, and Ireland pumps so much money into amateur boxing. So hopefully they get it soon. There's a couple of really good talents now in Ireland that are capable of doing so. So yeah. hopefully now they can push on, maybe get one in the next Olympics. Yes, like, uh, especially for, for Ireland. I remember speaking to Paddy. He was talking about the sort of money he was getting paid to to be like stay uh, amateurs. Like yeah. it's a lot of money yeah, compared to some money, like, to to especially even some pros that sort of have to double up on jobs and things. You, yeah. you can earn a lot in it's Ireland. Big, it's it's big funding and it's tax free as well from the Irish Sports Council which is, is good, it keeps you amateur and uh, like you say a lot of people are working up, like, work more or less training and working full time in the pro game which is which is, it's very hard to achieve your dreams when that's happening but in the amateurs they, they look after you but it, it takes a lot to get that, like you have to be no, you near enough have to be a professional athlete yourself, yeah that's what you are, you're a full time professional athlete but you're performing at an amateur level, which is, and and again you have to achieve massive. Like you have to achieve an Olympic medal or a world medal. Yeah. They get that, and it's not easy. Like when you're f five, six fights in ten days. Yeah. You know I mean, against five or six different opponents, yeah, different states, different countries. Uh, keep it's a lot and stuff as well. You have to be a seriously good boxer to do that. 
and when you do achieve that, you deserve the you deserve the money you're getting. You deserve the forty thousand euro a year you're getting. Yeah, it's worth it. Um, was twenty twelve the first one you sort of aimed to to try and get it to? Then was that? I was sort of looking at it, but I was fifty six kilograms and John Joe Nevin was fifty six kilograms. He had already qualified before I entered the elite championships. Uh, he won a world bronze, so I, I qualified him for London, and I fought him in the Irish City Championships after it, and he beat me by a point. It's only 17 legs, so it was a brilliant achievement. He's an Olympic silver medalist, two-time world bronze medalist, European champion, yeah. and I was only 17-year-old kid, pushing on towards trying to get on the elite team, and he beat me by a point. So I knew from that fight that I had talent, and I was I was still young, I was plenty of time, so. Obviously, I was London out the way anyway, and I just started pushing towards uh, Rio in 2016. Yeah. Um, moved up a weight till 60 kilograms, and I held that for like four or five years on the elite team. Yeah. Um, I went to Doha, the World Championships in Doha to qualify. I was beat by a split decision by Salomov. Yeah, he's other. He's he went on to win a silver, and then two weeks after he came home from, I think it was Doha, the elite championships wrong again, which didn't give me much time to rest or anything. So I came back and it was sixty seven kilos. It was stone overweight, and just killed himself making weight. The box at sixty kilos. I should have moved up there and then to qualify, like, but I didn't, and I struggled to make weight, and I lost out to David Albert Joyce in the final of the elites. And he went on to qualify, so it was just I think I could have I kind of I could have managed myself better instead of putting on seven kilos after the championships, the world championships. I could have managed myself a bit better, knowing that the elite championships were coming up, but I didn't because I was pissed off that it was that it would be and stuff like that. It's it's hard to stay uh, focused, stay fully focused for so long. I mean, my full focus for ten weeks was on the world championships. Then I lost out on a split decision to the world champion, which I thought I won. I was like, I'm that close. And then I was just annoyed, so I was put on seven kilos. And then I had to lose it all again in two weeks. So I probably should either moved up to 64, which I was thinking about doing, or lose the seven kilos and push on for that weight, 60 kilograms, which I done and I lost. So. It's my own fault, really. Like I messed up, and that part of she moved up. And that's just the way it is. I'm still on the Olympics. Uh, um, <laughs> I guess you can't beat yourself too much up over it. Right? It's one of the things I don't care about. To be honest with you, obviously it was a dream of mine to to become uh, an Olympic champion or go to Olympics and win a medal for Ireland. Would have been would have been unbelievable for me. Like. And I believed it was good enough to do so. It was just, like I said, managing myself properly to do it, and I didn't. So, you can have all the ability in the world if you want. It's just about managing your career properly and doing the right, making the right decisions at the right time. I made the wrong decisions at the right time. And that's just the way I went. And now I have knee dreams. I've just I've moved on. I haven't looked back. Don't regret anything. It's, 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 I've learned lessons from it. I've gained experience from it. And it won't happen again. I'm a better man today for it. And... I'll, uh, I believe we'll push on to, to achieve massive things in professional boxing. Um, when you were sort of growing up, when did you make, like, around like 16, 17, that you made a decision on boxing or the real one to go down to rather than say another career or when everyone else was doing well, like, it? I was still going to uh, college and doing like a sport degree in college and To be honest, I wasn't never really any good in school. Like, I never, I couldn't be out. Didn't listen. Didn't do any work. See, having to do coursework and study and re revise and stuff. Like, it just wasn't me. Really, I couldn't do. It. Couldn't stay focused for long enough to do. It. I got so frustrated all the time. Just get that away from me. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so, I was just, I was just bypassing time by going to college to keep my dad off my back, uh, keep my mouth off my back. Everyone slobbering. He worked college. He was school. And he, Oh, I think sort of, and then probably similar years where you like, you sort of old college or like university or whatever is like, sort of the route that you, mm -hmm. you push down, maybe not so much now. It's just sort of to give myself two pathways. Uh -huh. And then, when, like I say, I was 17, 
a flood jumped in Adam and he beat me by a point. I got called down to the Irish team as a number two, number three sort of thing on the B team. And they pay like they're called it like travel, they paid like a travel cost and your living cost sort of. It was only like they give you like a thousand or twelve hundred euro every three months. I was only 17, so I was getting 1200 euro every three months. I was loving it because yeah. I was still getting like money from college, they gave me like 30 pounds a week. Yeah. So that kept me taking over. I was going to Dublin full time, I was number two. So I thought, right, these and see potential me. And then I knew what it was like to train as a, as a full time athlete as well. So I stopped going to college and started going to Dublin every week. And then, uh, a year later after that, I think I won my first elite title and I went on the ice team full time went to my first major turn or first international elite tournament and got a silver medal, four fights in four days, won a silver medal and that put me on the phone, 12 grand a year, a grand a month after that so I pulled up to college and just take it from her, it's like right around a grand a month, tax free, it's better than what I was getting the college and 18, coming 19 or 19, whatever it was, and took on from her. And again, I went to the World Championships and secured myself funding again for the following year because I got the last 16, which was 12 grand again. I won two fits, and then from her, I just every year was on funding. I went up to 20, I went up to 20 grand. I get one a European bronze medal and stuff like that. So I kept me, kept me on funding and kept me as an amateur for five, six years. And uh, so that's, that's why I didn't go professional or go and work or anything. So it just happened. It wasn't really like I don't know. Obviously, I wanted the forty grand a year, but I just I was happy enough for this time as well. Like yeah. such a young age, it was good for me. Like. Were your parents cool with you? You going down the boxing like? Ah, a bit, but the one we were college too, like my dad was still on to me. Like, even when I was on twenty grand a year, like I was on, and I was getting sport funding from up north as well. It's a different, different uh, government body. Yeah. So I was getting eight thousand, tax free, off the north, and twenty thousand tax free off the south. So it was, it was on twenty eight grand a year. I was only twenty, twenty one, twenty two. And uh, my dad was still on to me to go to college. I was like, I'm on more money. What do you want me to go to college for? He's like, you need your backup plans. What happens if you get injured? Or what happens if. But I wasn't thinking like that. You know what I mean? That's negative. I was just heading for I'll, I'll worry about that when something happens. You know what I mean? There's no point in worrying about something that may never happen. You know what I mean? So I was just living in the moment and just taking it as I came and just happy enough for it. Like. Jackie, you're lucky the things have worked out like this? So regrets? Oh, yeah, no, regrets. Like, happy enough to be everything's turned out. Uh, there's been loads of ups and loads of downs, loads, loads of downs where I felt I've been robbed out of opportunities to do stuff in boxing, but I don't dwell on it, I don't care, I just I, I get over it and move on. Yeah. I'm here today, I'm very happy now with where I'm at in my career, and I believe I'm on a good path now, here and towards the right things. Yeah, so when I talk to those boxers, they feel like they've had that negative decisions are against them, but I, I think you far more than any boxer I've seen there must be a point like where it starts to eat away at you a bit like this can't keep a lot of people do feel they've, they've lost out on the wrong end of the scenes close the scenes but I'm telling you now there's no one in boxing there's no one in boxing has been through as much bad decisions as I have like it's a joke it's, like I've lost out in loads of massive opportunities to become a very successful um amateur due to it and it, there was times I was like what's the point what is the point I'm going to put myself through this every day of the week but then you go back you re you regather your, your team like the amateur team and you just and you think of it and you go this is it it doesn't really matter because like, it's a way of life now for me you know what I mean this is what I know this is what I'm doing this is this is just what it is yeah. it's not up to me whether I win it's up to five judges sitting around a ring but it doesn't mean you stop trying what I mean? So well, I just I just had a different outlook on life. Just I just thought, still training, still fit, still winning, still losing, still healthy, still got a 
roof over my head. Yeah. I've got all the important things in my life that I need, so I'm not going to dwell on five judges thinking you lost a fight when you really won a fight. Yeah. Um, so, and amateur boxing's corrupted accordingly. You've seen it. You've seen the things yeah. over the years yourself. Like it's just, it's just bad. It's just bad for sporting, and it's hard. Or like I said, there was times where I just felt like, get me out of here. What's the point? A lot of people say to me, why do you do this? Why do you put yourself through this for? And I enjoy it, to be honest with you. Enjoy the training, enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy it. Enjoy the buzz, enjoy it all. Yeah. Enjoy winning. Hated losing. But it just made me hungry and made me a better person. Yeah. I, I think some people sort of admit, openly admit that, that boxing is corrupt and that, is it, especially with the amateurs as well, like with judges' decisions and things like do you think there is something that can be done to sort of overhaul it or do you think it's too like too rooted I don't think it? so Rick. I don't think so because there's big companies known for stuff big names in boxing they're known two judges the judges are all on a panel within like the IBA so they all have their own recruits who they have judging every tournament they know who's who if they like a style and they like someone the way they box they're automatically watching Emmons because they like them. But you can't help yourself, we're all humans. I like a style and if I'm watching the like if I'm at the World Championships and I see I love a, a Cuban style of boxing. Yeah. If I see a Cuban fighting a Russian, which I also like a Russian style of boxing, they're very explosive, very fast, very powerful, completely. But I automatically see myself drifting towards the Cuban more, watching him more, watching more what he does rather than what the Russian does, because I like his style better. Uh, it's more so like judges obviously know. tend to do the same thing with companies, big companies, who have a successful background in boxing. And it's, it's, it's what happens. You can't stop it. You can't be dead. Because it's a company now, and a company, it's a company on a country, it's like, right, here we go. And then another thing, if that judges from Ireland and a Cuban is fighting someone from Azerbaijan and he thinks and the winner of the Azerbaijan and the Cuban fights Ireland next, he could rape one of these two fighting someone from my country. Who would I prefer who would who would be an so easier fight? Yeah. Who would be an easier fate for my country? And then maybe judge her on that too. It's a joke. It is a joke, I think. I don't think there's anything that ever be done for Yeah. Um, as well, sort of the decisions have cost you, like, as you said, sort of major tournament spots and things like that. Uh-huh. Um, I think 2014 was one of them. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like coming off games. Yeah. I would have come off games. And, um, politics and, and, and Ulster boxing was terrible or for, for a decade. Like, it was ridiculous. Um, I'll tell you actually where it started from, for me. 2010, Delhi, come off games. They had an open box off. This is to select a team, so each winner was told they'll be going to the come off games, right? So they had an open box off in 2010, and I won. I beat remember who was 16, he was the elite champion, six times Ulster elite champion, and he was the big favourite, and I beat him, but 4 1 it was the time. So automatically I thought I was going to the Kamov game in 2010, happy days. The Ulster's council picked every other champion other than me. They went and had a meeting and a vote, and they voted someone else in, Tron McCulloch, who didn't enter the championships but had lost previously to Ren Lindbergh, who I beat three, who Ren Lindbergh beat him three times, who I beat 4-1, easy enough, and they didn't select me at all to go. I was like, wait, what, what, what happens here? Like, what's the point? Why do you have to win? And still not a pick. And I was the only one on the team that didn't get picked. So I started there and then four years later, I was elite Irish champion and didn't enter the Ulster Championships for that reason. But it doesn't matter because it was elite. It was the, the, the champion of the One Island, Ireland. One well, minute is one Irish boxing team. Yeah. And uh, they made me have a box off. And she says, fair enough, we'll have two mutual judges from down south up. So they've done that and they didn't use the three judges and it was a, 
a disgrace so I, mean, I lost 2-1 which was an absolute disgrace because I'm on the feet you know, easy hands down and just give it against me like I say it's a vote the judge doesn't like he's not going to give it to you so they just give it against me and then we get Hamas in Glasgow which was a disgrace and they were two massive opportunities for me to get on the team early the 2010 would have given me massive experience in the 2014 massive experience in the 2018 and probably would have set me up nicely to qualify for for the future for events. real yeah. I could have done better I could have done better the world championships I would have progressed better with that experience and they're just really small things that happen why do you think you were not favoured in those and other people were favoured over you for those decisions and things the, the also the Ulster Board really, it's the Ulster Board's province within within Ireland, right? Mm-hmm. They have their own committee. Their committee was completely against my club, right? Um, they just didn't like my club, they didn't like my coach, they didn't like me. Um, that Holy Trinity? Holy Trinity, yeah. They just, they were just, they just totally against my club. And uh, that's the main reason, that's all. It's down to a small few on the committee who run Ulster Boxing were just completely against me yeah. and no denying it they can't deny it they know who they are and I know who they are and I'm glad I'm over it all now I'm past it all now they're just fucking idiots to boxing to be honest they, they don't deserve to be in boxing and see now and rightly so none of them are in boxing yeah. they've all been voted out and they're not welcome in boxing anymore there, is, there was a big overhaul yeah was it was it after 2016 that it was yeah. sort of changed after so now they're all gone because you were sort of bowing like yeah you didn't want to box but we box them. again for them until John Cannon took over as also high performance coach and Charlie Tolan took over as the pre- as the the chairman and the president of Ulster and that pushed me on to go to I can't walk games in for them in 2018. Yeah. So, um, that was obviously your first sort of, <coughs> I say major, obviously, being to like World Championships. Being the World Championships, yeah. being the European Games. Being the World Three World Championships, the European Championships, yeah. European Games. European Games is the same setup as the Commonwealth Games. The Village, same same things, all multi, multi sports and stuff like that. So, I sort of had a bit of experience, but come off games was sort of the same idea like but different different countries like yeah. how did it feel when you sort of qualify for the come off games I knew you qualified like yeah. I knew when the, when the committee changed when they started boxing changed I knew you already qualified like so uh, I didn't care to be honest with you didn't even care but I was still I was still in between going and not going and still haven't made a full decision on whether it's going to go or not and then I knew it was my last year as well yeah. amateur so I thought I'll just go and push on try and make try and get a medal set me up nicely for going pro get a bit of publicity about myself and then take it from there yeah. so uh, I've been selfish and just done it yeah. how did you find the tournament as a whole? excuse me guys Good setup, straight as a burning place, um couldn't ask for it to be in a better place to be honest. And uh we were out there for five weeks, burning training, burning sparring, I was flying. Tough draw. Um lost out on a split the season to England, Luke McCormick and um I went out and got arrested as well, so I've got to say, uh, just after some most countries do as soon as they finish uh, no, the tournament they go and let their head down and uh, most uh, people do a lot of companies do and a lot of companies live one thing about the Irish is they're probably well known for their drinking like obviously but we don't allow it yeah. the Irish coaches don't allow you to drink at all once you're once you have an Irish tap on an Irish vest on you're you're just not allowed to drink you're still representing your company even if you're in or out of competition but like I said, I, again, I was probably selfish of me because I still had teammates in the competition and I was team captain as well, so I should have been more professional in terms of looking after them, getting what they needed and stuff. But instead, I knew it was my last tournament. I was never going to box amateur again, so I went, fuck it, now on the drink. Yeah. And got arrested. Um, and, uh, and I was stupid. 
fate with the man. But, uh... Alright, well, I was reading sort of online sort of the way things, like, progress from it. I, somebody told somebody that it got leaked to one of the local press, like Australia, and then uh, um, police sort of got involved as well, obviously, and then... Um, I think somebody from one of the Irish boards, Northern Irish boards, yeah. like, commented on Comment, it saying... Come off board. Come commented on, on it saying it was like... I, I can't remember the exact word, but I think it was pretty damning of yourself. And then a few days later, when they reviewed like, the footage and stuff uh, of the event, and like, sort of got vindicated. I they, they come off council. The Northern Ireland come off council. Don't mean no favours at all, like. Um, they, I knew it was innocent the whole time. Like, I was out of the village, it was put out of the village, the village. I was staying in a friend's house over. Um, he looked after me well for a period here. Like, he didn't have to do it. And uh, they were ringing me saying, They're booking you a flight home. And he said, It's not booking me a flight home. I said, I'm not going home. And they were like, My coach is ringing me, showing me where I am. I was like, It doesn't matter where I am, I'm safe, I'm good, I'm in. My friend's home here. All these things are trying to book your freight home. And he says, Tell him to book my freight home, we're not getting all the time staying here. And were, he was like, Well, he's like, John, I'm innocent. I don't care where I am. He says, I'm innocent. Go and review the CCTV footage. So they. The what was it you were actually accused of, of doing? Uh, and if, if I, I assume the case is closed. They told me, I don't even know what it is, but they arrested me, they put me on a cell, and they charged me with being a public nuisance, causing public nuisance. So, I got released on bail till that fellow's house he was in, and I'm staying there. Then the next day, it was I woke up on the tea and he was laughing. I was like, what's, "What's going on here?" He was like, "You're all over the news." I was like, "What for?" He was like, "I don't like you're on the news." I was on the news. I was like, oh, "Here we go." For all the right My phone was dead. I was like, "Here we go." Turned my phone on. Phone was going mad. Missed calls from everyone. Everyone panicking. And then my coach rang me, John Cannon for me. Where are you? Where are you? What's going on? Everything? What happened? I was like, nothing. It's all getting blown out of proportion. It was stupid. So I explained to him what happened. And then I told him it was innocent. The Calm Off Council went and done an interview, a report on what happened. And basically said that I was guilty and that I was sorry for my for my actions and um, my behaviour was ridiculous, all this stuff, it's just bullshit, you yeah. know what I mean? So they should have done that because it turned out in the end that I was innocent. They got to review the CCTV footage, they seen that one of the doormen hit me first. I reacted obviously. Yeah. They pinned me to the ground and the police came and arrested me. Right. Self-defence. So, okay. self-defence, exactly. They, But before before the come off council knew that they went on ahead, gave a report to BBC Sport and I put out all the thing that I was acting on a sheepish behaviour and all this bullshit that I was guilty. Which and the whole time was wrong because it was I knew it was innocent. Yeah. And John, my coach and my the background staff that was working with Baxon all knew, believe me, they trusted that it was innocent. Because I'm, I'm I'm not a liar, not I mean I don't tell lies. What is it? What is it? Lab out if I was guilt if it was wrong, I just threw my hands up, says John, listen, I fucked up here, I'll go home, sorry about that. But I didn't. I, f- I fought and fought and fought and stayed in that fella's house until we seen the CCTV. And when we seen CCTV, that was it. And the Calm Off Council, Northern Ireland Calm Off Council, couldn't have treated me any worse to be honest with you. The the black in the name that I stood out there that it was that it was act like it was just run the bird like a like I was running about gully in Australia, causing trouble, throwing the toys out of pram because I lost. And to be honest with you, they didn't even say sorry either. So, fuck the <laughs> What was it like to be involved in that? Was it scary at all? Nah, it didn't care. Didn't care. Like. And now, one of my, one of my mates phoned me, like, he's a, he phoned me, he was like, what's happening? And he was like, don't worry about it, you're sweet. I was like, I'm sweet anyway, I have that personality, right? I honestly don't care about anything. Like. What I mean? I love to tell I love to tell the tale. Who's gonna say anything about it? Who's gonna the only thing I was worried about was a bit worried about was 
people take me for this lunatic and that like promoters or managers or Aye, future like, career future career like and that one gets signed where whoever I want to sign with they're going in I take the chance on him he's on the way like a lunatic which wasn't true you know what I mean yeah. so I was a wee bit worried about that but thankfully MTK yeah, it all came out anyway there was innocence so obviously MTK I was speaking to previous previously anyway it still sent me thankfully enough and yeah. I'm here now every day I've been in the final before Christmas so couldn't ask for much better but at the time one of my mates phoned me from back home he was laughing laughing down the phone I was laughing at it and explaining what happened and stuff and we all thought it was a gag which it was it was funny like it was funny the way it happened and it was funny the way that it was on TV and stuff because it was all bullshit and he was saying, look, listen, don't worry, nothing happens to you, it happens for you, like, it'll happen for you. And then mm. a couple of hours later, or t- two days later, I came out that I was innocent and he was laughing, told you, it's... it's right, not can change in a few days. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, going pro with MTK, um, pretty much <coughs> soon after the tournament. Um, obviously, a few familiar faces in the Irish golf <laughs> with MTK, and obviously that helps you make your decision, I guess. Uh, they're doing a lot for boxing. They're giving everyone an opportunity, MTK. So, fair play to them. They give me an opportunity, and uh, I just felt the time was right now. Like to be honest, I've been through how lo- how much how, like, how much longer can I go on for me to just keep getting these bad decisions? Just when when it matters to me, like I've done a lot. Of, like I said, I've been to all the major tournaments you could possibly think of. Been to three world championships. Three Europeans, Commonwealth Games, European Games. The only thing I'm missing is the Olympics. So what? I've got all the experience in the world. I was 25 years of age when I turned pro, and I believe that was exactly the right time to do it. Boxing's booming in Belfast. Carl Fratton, headline the Windsor, Windsor Park Show. Michael Cannon, headline his own show in the OS Arena, or the SSC Arena. Paddy Barnes, fighting for his first world title, and then um, Tom McKenna fighting for a big WBO Intercontinental title against Jack Carroll boxing's just through the roof at the minute Ryan Burnett yeah. a unified world champion too so what what better platform can you can you ask for to stop the step on to like as a pro yeah. I just felt 25 all the easier ahead of me now than that I can fight on all their shows with a bit of luck and push on and, and hopefully in the next year or two that can be me yeah. And I believe that's exactly what's going to happen. Why do you think Belfast boxing in particular is so so big at, sort of, at the moment? Like I said, a couple of, a couple, I said half an hour ago, there's 40 clubs in Belfast. The Belfast City Council pump a lot of money into boxing. It's the best thing for kids, like, to be honest. Most kids fight in the street. Put them in a ring and let them fight. If you're, if you're good and you're dedicated, like, it disciplines you. It makes you a better person. Stick at it, and that's why we're so successful. We're such a small company. The council pumps so much money into boxing. And I think even as a country, even like a lot of opponents, sort of like you get like Nonita Donaire and things commenting on like yeah. how like everyone knows who he is. Well, probably if he when he was here, yeah, <laughs> last month probably probably wouldn't have been. No like one said it's just. It's just, I don't know, it's the culture, isn't it? It's yeah. really the culture. We all fight. We all know how to fight. You go into a bar and you're going to your fight. You know what I mean? At the end of the night, someone's going to fight in Belfast. No matter where you are, there's going to your fight outside the club. Like. So it's the culture. It's the way people well equipped, at least. Right. Well, I'm um, retired now. From Bob Rose. Burn it all. No, but uh, it's the culture. So all, everyone growing up. I would say 80% of the Belfast people have boxed at least once in their life or stepped in the boxing club and trained for at least once in their life. Anyway. Kids from everywhere. It's crazy. Um, for your first four fights, they've been pretty... a wide range of stuff, but pretty... like You've obviously boxed Windsor Park. Uh, was it Titanic? Is it uh, done? done Windsor Park two weeks later. It was in Birmingham. On the American card. Three weeks after that, I was in Titanic, and then two weeks after that, I was in Boston. You're not messing around. <laughs> I'm not messing about nothing. That's the way I like it. I told at the start, I says, when I was speaking to MTK about going pro, 
Screaming the fit, not fit. Not fit in that road, I don't care where I fit. Not fit. Couldn't care where I fit, to be honest with you. All these people have these hanging small hall shows. Not fit in that hallway, I wouldn't care. It's a fit. And they did, I mean, I'm trying to climb a ladder. Off this video, let's go. Let's <laughs> go. Get, get the camera up. Get the camera up. I'll get absolutely bad. Uh, um, just, I would say, get, get, just, let's, let's get it on. Get, any shows you want to put me on, don't hesitate. Just throw me on it. Don't even think about asking me, just do it. I'll be ready, I'm training full time. I was always a full time amateur at any big, so I'm used to it. Whatever you want to do, whatever fetch you want to put me on, put me on, I'm ready to do it. I'll never turn a fetch down here, so. Which uh, four were your sort of favourites out of a lot? Winter Park was good because it was home and it was my debut. It doesn't matter where your debut is, my debut could have been anywhere in the world. But just because it was my debut, it was just spicing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, because you had a family and friends. I had a load of family and friends down there at the last so, um, I, I love Boston too, like Boston's hard to top as well, mm. and American, American Davy, sort of like a Davy, it's like a Davy all over again, mm. I love Boston, it's fully Irish as well, like so, mm. I had almost, my friends so, over, so you almost missed out on that as well, that <laughs> was an error as well, if anything, <laughs> see if anything bad is going to happen in Boston, it's going to happen to me, like it's a fucking disgrace, and I'm the rose bowl, and everything can possibly go wrong, happens to me. I just want to explain if, you, if people haven't seen that, just explain what sort of happened with your, your visa and things, obviously. I went to, well, obviously, I went to Dublin Airport. They have a, a, a US hang in there, the customs in the Dublin Airport, so it's handy to get it done here. So I go down and visa, have me yesterday, everything set, ready to go to Boston on the Wednesday or Tuesday, maybe. I'm due to weigh in on a fairly fit this Saturday. It was a Wednesday, it was traveling. Gets down with my coach, well, Danny's dad, George, and Danny, his son. So we're traveling to Dublin, day one through. Yeah, I could pull in the customs, questioned. Don't have a visa. He says, Don't need a visa, Vanessa. He says, You're a professional boxer. Are you earning money? I says, No, not on US soil. I earn my money in the UK. And they were like, You're still a professional boxer, you could potentially earn money on US soil. It's like potentially. So like, what is it like a price fund or something? It's like, oh, it's a price fight. So you're allowed to have a price fight on US soil because if I had lost, I was getting no money. If I had won, I was getting money. So they wouldn't let me in anyway. Had to travel home. I sat around the airport all day trying to get it sorted. Phoning US customs, phoning matchroom, phoning MTK, back to US customs, matchroom. I was in the airport for nine hours. To find out that the last ferry gone anyway to Boston, I can't get on it that day. Had to go home. Phone matchroom solicitors had to get a ladder sent across to US Customs explain to them that it was a price fight. And if I had lost, I potentially wasn't winning any money. And if I had won, then I was winning money. And all this stuff. Then I sent that to US Customs. Rang them and explained to them what was going on. He said, send me it in an email. I sent it to the head of the US Customs in an email. Then he replied the next morning at like 10 o'clock saying yes, we'll let you in on that basis without a visa on your resta. So I booked the next flight at 4 o'clock, drove to Dublin again and flew out and didn't get in until like 11 o'clock at night, the day before the weigh-in, starving, dehydrated, tired, woke up the next morning, done a bit of training, weighed in and fallen sorry. Yeah. But still got the job done. Still glad I went. Still glad I done it. Still a few experience. Met up with a few friends after as well. Yeah. And uh, good to see few friends from back home. They travelled off to New York as well for me, yeah. so it was good. Like, good to have a bit of support over as well. Yeah. You're now an expert on US customs law from Ireland as well. And what and say, I'll not do that again anyway. Um, yeah, what was your sort of desire of just boxing in America? Was that just something you wanted to do, or was it just like a giving a fight somewhere? Just, no, I'm not sure how it came about. Obviously, MTK were on with matching. It was Eddie Hearn's show, and um, they must have just said about having me on one of their shows in the US, and I was very thankful. When I, when I, got, when I heard the news, I was delighted. I was buzzing for it. Couldn't believe it. 
obviously a lot of boxers don't get that opportunity yeah. and I did so early in my career and I performed very well got a second round knockout so hopefully I impressed enough for them to get me back again and sometime in the future and in a bigger fight be be class to do that as well um, so here's hoping anyway <laughs> like, do you have any sort of dream venues where you'd like say oh this is where I'd like to, to play one day um, there's talks of there's talks of the GAA pitch Antrimhof up in uh, Casement Park in, it's on the Andersonstown Road they're talking about turning that into a big stadium a big GAA stadium I think if I I think if I get a world title fit, I would love to have it there. If it's built by them, which hopefully be two years. If it's built by them, it'd be massive. Probably hold 30,000, 40,000 people. Um, you get a big undercard with Michael Conlon. I'm not, not saying he'll be on the undercard, I'm just saying if you, they're the big names of boxing myself, Paddy Barnes, Michael Conlon. <laughs> Total run mark, but I'm um, with that. <laughs> so, I mean, if Michael Conlon's tapping the show or whatever it may be, I just think it would be a dream venue. It's right on the Andersonstown Road, exactly. Right along where I live, going under the Falls Road. It would be massive for West Belfast. Yeah. And I think if it ever did come off, it would be a dream come true. Yeah. Um, you have some boxing in Belfast again in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, two weeks today. Yeah. Uh, six rounders, so sort of stepping up the rounds. Aye, that's me now, pushing on. Six rounder. The last four were four rounders. So I'm pushed on now to six rounder. Um, just before Christmas, which will set me up and into the new year, perfect. Um, hopefully after Christmas I can push towards a title. I'm hoping for a Catholic title league. I'm almost sure it's vacant at the minute, so hopefully MTK can work the magic after Christmas and get me a Catholic title fit. Yeah. Um, who would you, who'd like potential opponents and stuff? Who would you it's vacant, so whoever wants it, wants it. I don't know who he held. I think Jason Easton. I think he held it before, before he got his license revoked. So yeah. maybe he would want to win it back. And if he does, I'll fight him for it. Yeah. Thanks, uh, or that's only one name. Just throwing out there. I don't know what else he's won from there or what's going on. But I don't really follow Pogacar to be honest with you. I'm the clue. But, yeah. but I believe in good enough to win a Kelly Tate. I'm a sick fight. So right. whoever it is, that's how. Um. You said that you don't follow boxing, like, you find out a lot of some boxes that just, like, like, in your downtime you don't want to look at it at all and you're not really fussed about it. I'm not interested in it, to be honest with you. Don't care. Not yet, anyway. I'll only be interested in my future opponents when I know they're going to be opponents of mine. I don't know who my opponents are, really. You know what I mean? You're just... It's like journeyman right up the night. Yeah. So after Christmas, I'm hoping that's when I'll start taking a proper interest in it because I'm hoping to be fighting for titles which means I'll know who my opponent is yeah. and then I'll start to be more specific on who's who around the, around the sport and my weight class obviously. Say when you've finished your program, um, what, what would you like to achieve? You've sort of touched on it there with the world titles, but is that the... Uh, we're talking really, um, probably good enough. I'm not probably good enough, in fact I am good enough, I know I'm good enough to be a world champion um, I think I would like to do a couple of different weight classes, move up, I'm big, I'm six foot tall and I'm a, a super lightweight, potentially move up to late middleweight and I've filled out properly and done the right training and the right diet, but I'll take it one step at a time, so I'm hoping within the next 12 months to have a good title, maybe even a European and a continental title of some sort by the end of next year we'll be happy with yeah. and then that would set me up going until 2020 with fighting for a, world, a European title and potentially a world title by the end of 2020 would be massive for me to very realistic, very realistic targets for me and uh, like I say with the MTK do a burning job management Mind and boxers, so yeah. they manage me in the right direction. That's certain, I don't believe there's anything that could really stop me, to be honest. Yeah. You obviously see like Paddy and Doug getting a mm. world title fight, and I have to only. Paddy's, he got what, six fights, world title fight? He, he's, he's exceptional at his weight class, like, very powerful, very strong, and 
He's old as well. He's, he's getting on a bit. He's 30 now. I'm 31 maybe. Maybe he's 31. So he sort of had the fast track, really fast. I have the fast track in front of had me every like every month. So you've got like a journeyman schedule. <laughs> exactly, so they're pushing me out there really fast, which I'm very ha- happy and thankful for. But next year now, hopefully you can just get the right fates with the right titles and the, and the right progress and the right direction towards, like I say, a world title. Um, anything you'd like to add at all? Bang, bang, gravy chip. That's her. <laughs> um, Listen, thanks for your time, Sean, and uh, best of luck in uh, Belfast in two weeks now. Cheers, thank you. Good luck.